Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Well, hello, Elevation Penrith. How you doing, Penrith? How about those Panthers? Number one, baby. Woohoo! Top of the ladder. Well done. And welcome to Elevation Hills. For those who are Eels fans, you might want to be reminded, number four on the table, not bad. Uh, some say miracles don't happen. Well, we see proof that God is alive and miracles are happening. Sorry, all the Eels fans. Today, we start a new teaching series called, now that's the name of it, called, called what? That's the name of the series. It's called... Called, the, the, the name is called, but what's it called? called. It's been very confusing, uh, this name. So I hope this uh, uh, spurs you. You remember this title, called. Well, what does that mean? Well, as followers of Christ, we're called to do some things. And we're going to talk about that in this series. Now, I wanted to personally teach on week one. I wanted to open up this series because... I wanted to give some vision, some, some focus for where we are as a church at Elevation and where we're heading. And I believe we're in a, a very significant season of growth for our churches. You know, two years of just, I don't know what to call what's just happened. <laughs> it's, it's unprecedented. We've never led through anything like a pandemic. Uh, but I believe this is a season now um, where we're having growth, where we're reaching more people for Christ, that people are getting saved, that the laborers are putting their hand to the plow to build the kingdom of God. And so I'm very, very faith-filled, very excited actually uh, for what God is going to do in our church over these next seasons. So I wanted to share this series as we came out of term one, um, which was more building the body, building the believers. Um, this is a series about activating our faith, that we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, we're called to exercise our faith, to be outward focused, to, to look at others, um, to influence people for God. So this will help us as a church sort of plan the path for what's next. And I'm really believing, God, would you move in our churches like never before. Come on, church, pray with me. Father, I pray that we will see revival, that, that people, lives would be changed, souls would be saved, healings that happen, miracles um, would be commonplace, that people would just run to church, that there'd be this mass re-engagement of people back into the house of God to, 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 to have an encounter with the living God, to be changed by the living God. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into Philippians 2, verse 20. And today, we're going to study that we are called to care, called to care. So Paul writes a letter to the church in Philippi. Now, Paul is in Rome at this point, and Timothy was a younger apprentice, was with him. Timothy was about 15 years younger. Paul was kind of his mentor. Timothy was kind of the apprentice. So Timothy had also helped Paul on his second missionary trip plant this church in Philippi. So uh, Timothy was very invested in this church, as so was Paul. Paul, by the way, planted, they say, about 20 churches. 
And he was able to lead and pastor these churches from Rome. And he would write letters and he would send pastors into their gatherings to to speak truth and, and to care. So we'll pick up the story in verse 19. If the Lord is willing, I love how Paul writes with this dependence on God. Lord, if you're willing, I I often like to say that statement. God, if you're willing, you'll do this. If you're willing, you'll do that. It sort of helps understand our dependence ultimately is, is on God. Lord, if you're willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy. Now check out what happens next. Who genuinely what? Say it with me, church. Who genuinely cares. Say it again. Who genuinely cares about your welfare. It's interesting. Paul didn't give Timothy credit for being a great preacher or or apostolic anointing to plant churches or, you know, the prophetic gift or a healing gift uh, or leadership. He gave Timothy credit for something we don't often give people credit for. But God certainly gives us credit, and that is caring. Now, the Greek word for care is merimnaho, merimnaho. It means to be troubled with cares, to be troubled. We take the cares personally. Now, the Vines Exploratory Dictionary gives a negative or the opposite adjective, which means free from care. So the opposite to caring is being free from care or the Aussie explanation, I don't give a rip. (laughs) And so we want to understand that actually we were designed, we were called to care. And Paul recognizes the importance. So let's do a little care test. Can we do that together? A little care test. Uh, If there's a speed camera and you're driving the other way, Who flashes their lights to let the oncoming traffic know? Because you care about them, not wanting them to get a speeding ticket. Come on, put your hands up. Who just says, they're speeding, they deserve to get a ticket? What about if someone is merging and you're in the lane on the highway? Do you let that person go in ahead of you? Do you care enough about them getting onto the highway? Remember, we merge one, not two. If you merge two, it's confusing. There'll be crashes, but you should merge one because you care. Well, what about when you make a coffee at home? Here's the care test. Do you make the coffee for your spouse or your partner first? Or do you make a coffee for yourself first? What about in a conversation? Do you do most of the talking or the listening, that's another good care test. Or when you're in a conversation, do you ask how the other person is doing? Or, or finally, when you open up the freezer, it's late at night, no one's looking, there is one ice cream left in the box. And you're looking around the care test. Do you offer that ice cream to someone else? Or do you just snap it, rip it down on your own without anybody knowing? Look, if you scored less than two on this care test, then you're going to hell. We can't help you. I'm sorry. It's all over. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it's good to understand that care matters. And we sort of need to be challenged from time to time. Paul continues on in verse 21. All the others care for only, only for themselves and not 
for what matters to Jesus Christ. So Paul just gives credit to Timothy, hey, you're awesome because you care, Timothy. But then he says, hey, all the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. So what matters to Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus clearly said the greatest commandment is to love God and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what matters to Jesus. This means that in the same way we take care of ourselves and are concerned about our own interests, we should take care and have concern for the interests of others. I actually don't believe that we don't care. Um, I believe most of the time we just don't know. And there's a difference. Um, at work, we don't know that our colleague is suffering from depression. Or we don't know that uh, a relative is, is having challenges in their marriage. Or we don't know that a, a friend has COVID. Or we don't know that a church member is in hospital. We just don't know that our neighbor may have lost their job. Or we don't know um, that the church needs help in the cafe. Or we don't know that the church needs some volunteers in the kids' room or production or, or, or other areas of the church. We just don't know. So I don't think it's that we don't care. It's often we don't know. So I want to teach from God's Word about caring today. And I've chosen, whew, help me, pray for me. I've chosen to tackle the most controversial parable, I believe, uh, ever written. Now, parables are stories. They reveal truths, but they don't always have a clear answer or, or a clear understanding. And often people will see different interpretations. Parables are multiple layered. They force us to think, to meditate, to seek God about their meaning. They require revelation from the Holy Spirit. And this parable is at the top of the list where we need the Holy Spirit to give us revelation. Uh, this parable has divided scholars for centuries. It's probably one of the most controversial, hardest, and, and maybe most famous parables. It's found in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the sheep and the goats. The sheep and the goats. It's a long parable, but it's important to read it all through so we can let God's Word speak to us. So sit back, open your heart, and let's let God minister through His Word as I read this parable. Matthew 25, 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in His presence and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He'll place the sheep on His right hand and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I, I was in prison, and you visited me. And these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever ever see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, 
When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king turned to those on the left. Away with me, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And they were replied, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they'll go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. This is a pretty scary parable. This will give you nightmares. This is like a, a thriller. Uh, you know, this, this is some serious uh, words that God is, is speaking um, and it's interesting as you study this, there are many, many interpretations. I want to share some of these with you today in kind of a summary, and then I'll center on one at the end, because I believe there's sort of elements of truth in all of these interpretations, and I believe we can all learn and grow from these today. Firstly, some say the parable is about God giving rewards. So we will be judged on our works now, we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, but we're saved for good works. Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and He shall reward every man according to what? According to His works. So we're saved by grace, but actually we have a job to do. So some say this is kind of the judgment, not for salvation. This is sort of a judgment for rewards. Another uh, interpretation. Some say this parable is talking about spiritual provision. It's not about earthly or natural needs. It's about spiritual. And we will be judged on whether we shared the gospel. The, the hunger is a spiritual hunger. And we feed through God's word that Jesus is the living water, which will never thirst again. And strangers are those who are lost and need to be, be found. We have the great commission to go into all the world. So some say this is about spiritual provision. Some say this parable is judging the nations of the world where all the nations will be judged on how they treated Israel. Genesis 12, 2, 3 says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Personally, I love Israel. I have a soft spot for the Jewish people. In fact, there's elevation. We support some churches um, in Jerusalem to help the gospel be preached. Some say that this parable is actually the gospel, that the king is Jesus. He left his throne in heaven and found us, his people, and we were the least of these. And we were hungry and Jesus fed us on the food of his body. And we were thirsty and we drank from the vine of his blood. And we were naked and he clothed us with righteousness. And we were sick and by his stripes we can be healed. And we were imprisoned in sin and shame and he set us free. And the gospel is once we've received that, then we just automatically show this love and grace to others. And here's the fifth 
interpretation I want to spend a little more time on today. Some say this parable is about Christians taking care of the church. As Christians, we are called to care for each other. So let's read verse 40 and unpack this interpretation today. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did not do one of these uh, to my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Let me reread that. I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. So in this parable, who is the king? The king is Jesus. Who are the sheep? The sheep are Christians. My sheep will know my voice. So who are my brothers and sisters? This is a good question. We discover earlier in Matthew's gospel that Jesus' very own family were looking for him. And we'll pick up the verse in Matthew 12, 46. Jesus asked, who is my, bro- my mother and who is my brother? Then he pointed to his disciples and he said, look, these are my brother, my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is what? Is my brother and my sister and my mother. So Jesus is saying anybody who is a follower of Christ, a Christian, is considered my brother and my sister. We, in this verse, are brothers and sisters because we are doing the will of the Father. We we are followers of Christ. So if Christians are the brothers and sisters, Christians are the ones we should be taking care of. So the way we treat the church is the way we treat Christ because Christ is the bride. We should be more concerned about how we care for others in the church than we should worry about how the church cares for us. Because we are the church. You are the church. You can't just sit back, oh, you're the church, take care of me. No, we are the church. And we are to take care of brothers and sisters who are Christians who are part of the church. So according to this interpretation, we are called to take care of the church, people in the church. Uh, My vision at Elevation is that we would care for everyone. That, that no one is left behind, that no one is forgotten about, uh, that everybody matters, everybody's valued, everybody is cared for. How do we do that? Well, I can't do it. There's too many people. The, the pastors can't do it. We do that when we care for each other. Isn't that a beautiful truth? Uh, that blew my mind as I was studying Scripture. Because one of the best ways to do this, to care for each other, is to serve in the church. Think about it. When you serve in the church, make someone a coffee, help out in the car park, take care of some kids. You're actually caring for each other. When Saul was persecuting the church, His name was Saul. Saul was persecuting the church, later became known as Paul. He had this encounter 
with Jesus on the road to Damascus. God just smacked him. He was blind. And Saul heard the audible voice of God. He heard Jesus say these words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus was saying, so why are you persecuting the church? That's me. Why are you persecuting me? And then in this parable, Jesus says, whatever you do to my brothers and sisters, you do to me. It's the same thing. When we care for those in our church, when we serve each other, we're actually serving Christ. You're just not out there welcoming on the door. No, no, you're serving Christ. You're just not taking care of um, somebody that needs to know uh, how to find a life group or uh, someone that needs to find a, a ministry or, or someone needs to uh, find some prayer. No, 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 you, you're serving Christ. Interesting, isn't it? By serving the least of these, my brothers and my sisters. I think every one of us would admit that our life has been changed through the church because people cared enough to serve us. For me, I, I was invited to church. It's where I heard the gospel. It's where the scriptures were unpacked. It's where I joined a life group. It's where I got involved in a, in a youth group and, and where I, I, I went to worship nights. It's, it's, it's where people served me and through serving me, I discovered Christ. I, I built this relationship. I'm, I'm sure the same is for you. And, and so often we give the church a bad name. We, we give the church a bad rap. But we are the church. <laughs> and I know the church isn't perfect, right? Uh, because if the church was perfect, you and I wouldn't be in it, would we? Because we're not perfect. But so often we're quick to judge the church. We're quick to be critical of the church. And I know we can do better and I know we can value people and, and be more thoughtful and caring, but we are actually the church. And when we understand this concept, it helps us, I think, to engage in serving in the church. So, so here's where we are as churches, as we've sort of rebuilding out of the pandemic, our volunteer base is low, it's small. And so there's a lot of load being carried by just a few people. And, and I don't want anybody in our churches to be burnt out. I don't want anybody in our churches to be used um, or, 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 or to be taken advantage of. I, I, I want people in our churches to be cared for, um, where, where they can flourish, uh, where they can be environments with great friendships and great relationships. So here's what I'm challenging us as a church as we set our sights to build and grow, to reach more people. We need to take care of each other. We must take care of each other. The way we take care of each other is to practically serve. Now, there's other ways I get that. But today, I want to talk specifically about serving in the church. Uh, when, when we serve in the church, we take the weight of those few that are doing all the work. 
uh, when we serve in the church, we, we can care for people and, and, and have an encouraging word or pray for them or minister to them. When we serve in the church, we get to take care of the least of these. So here's my challenge for all of us. My hope would be every one of us would serve somewhere, somewhere in the church. And we want to help you find that best spot. But if you could serve somewhere, my goal would be at least once a month that you would serve somewhere, with production in, in media, or it could be the cafe, or kids, or youth, or uh, could be um, life groups, or could be in the office. There is so, oh my gosh, there's so many areas um, that we need to serve in. Why? So we can care, hear me church, for those God is sending. I, I want to be found faithful and a good steward of the people God sends to our churches, that we can truly care for them, that we've got time for them, that we're not stressed out running around doing, but, but we're more interested in being and loving and caring and listening and praying. And, and, and our church can flourish because it's built on this attitude of caring. I also want to take a moment and thank all of those who do serve in the church. We, we could not do this without you. It, we, we would not be the body of Christ. We wouldn't be the bride of Christ without you. We just could not do it. Um, you will be rewarded. In heaven, I believe one day, because of your faithfulness, your loyalty to God and serving God through the church. I'm not sure where you're at. Maybe you've been burnt in the past. Maybe you're hesitant. I want us to jump on in to say, you know what? We're going to care for each other. We are a church that cares for one another. That We're going to serve. We're going to serve in a way that is loving, that is life-giving, that everybody can flourish. Today, we're actually going to have a serving stand in the foyer. And that's where our church leaders will be to talk to you and help you. We want to find a place that interests you. And we want to also develop you. So please, after the service, head on out to the foyer. And go to that serving stand. Let, let's jump in together. Come on, church. Let, 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 let's build uh, the body of Christ and let's be the church, caring and serving one another. Father, I thank you today that you cared for us. I pray that we would be inspired by your scripture to care for one another. That matters to you. And Father, we, we stand today changed because you first cared for us. Father, you cared by sending your son, Jesus Christ, into this earth to live a perfect life and die and, and, and raise again. And maybe today, that's the first thing some of you need to do is to make a decision to be cared by God. See, you can't care for others until we receive God's care for us. It's called salvation. So with eyes closed and heads bowed, maybe today you didn't know that there is a God 
that cares for you. Let me tell you, He does. He loves you. He, he died for you. He's crazy about you. He, he cared so much. If you were the only person on planet Earth, He still would have died on the cross for you. That's how important you are. And if you want to receive that care to make Him the Lord of your life, just boldly, wherever you are, raise your hand right across the auditorium. Say yes to Him, lift it up high. Come on, those of you that say, I, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior, just raise your hand and say yes to Him. Father, I pray for every person that is making a decision to receive your care, your love, your forgiveness. Father, forgive them, change them. And I pray as a church, we would carry on the, the heart of the gospel to care for each other, to build your church as a place where people can find healing, people can find wholeness, uh, people can find victory, uh, people can find the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ because we choose to care. Pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Come on, we, can we make some noise for our God, our Lord, our Saviour?